0: Brooklyn, New York. I'm Adam Teeter, and in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal, and this is a bonus Vine Pair podcast. Uh, yeah, you're getting, you're getting a, a, a double dose this week. Congratulations, you lucky ducks! Um, so, is two your episodes, act- same great price. I mean, it's amazing, right? You know, it's not a next round. Uh-huh. It's, like it's another. It's a real podcast. We're talking about a cool wine That's region, right. we're excited about. Um, but exactly. before we jump into that, uh, what's going on, man?
1: Oh man, you know it's uh, it's just. I have been so uh, excited about being able to sit outside and drink uh, because we've had some pretty good weather in Seattle. And I know that last year with quarantines, I must have done it, but like part of it was different house, less outdoor space. I don't know what, maybe like panic about, you know, (laughs) COVID everywhere. I think I just was like, I I feel like I spent all of 2020 after like March and because of the weather in Seattle, basically all of 2020 indoors. And so I've been like, oh, I can just like stand in my yard and drink a beer and like just, I don't know, it shouldn't be this big, exciting moment for me. Uh, or like took my son to the park and uh, with and met uh, another some friends who have a, a similar age son and like Did we take our kids on the tennis court so they could ride their scooters and drink beers? We absolutely did.
0: Amazing. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. That's what's been going on with us. Yeah. How about you? What have I been doing? I mean, so I, uh, gosh, I've been doing a lot of outdoor dining, which is a lot of fun. It's been, it's been getting really nice. Nice. So I, I, I respect what you're doing. Yeah. And then besides that, you know, just kind of getting excited for, um, just, you know, late spring early summer you know entertaining and uh Mm -hmm. sort of you know changing the moods in terms of the drinks we're serving and um i don't know you know my my favorite cocktail of the year last year was the daiquiri i think it might be again this year um just such a great drink you know so um you just you know thinking about all the all the cool stuff that i'm gonna get excited about and obviously rose yes because you just can't you know you can't the best. We'll talk about that a little bit in a second, uh, but I guess that's a good segue, yes. right? So, so um, I butcher French names all the time. So, do you, you want to introduce the <laughs> wine region we're talking about?
1: I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. I think I'm slightly more proficient, but our guests can Thank you. can gladly correct pronunciation. So, uh, we are talking about the Côte de Nîmes, um, and I, we'll let our guests kind of orient a little bit more where exactly in the Rhone we are. Um, but it's a region that uh, you know it's it's one of these great regions of of the broader Rhone Valley that I think of late we've seen more and more really exciting wines come out of really interesting uh, expressions of terroir and this, this broader realization, I think that's gone on throughout the region. And, and I hope our guests can can shed some light on this of, of how there are these uh, great appellations that maybe American consumers haven't been as familiar with because they just, they haven't been as present on labels or they have, um, you know, they don't, they haven't had the sort of, uh, you know, whatever, they just, they haven't had the same presence uh, in the past, but are really, really exciting. So it's, it's super cool to talk to, uh, to two folks from, from uh, Côtier de Nîmes um, joining us late at night for them, which we also appreciate making it uh, doable for all of us here around the globe. Uh, Michel Gassier from uh, Château de Nage and uh, Franklin Lindell from uh, Château de Campuchet. Thank you gentlemen so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having us. Bonjour, our pleasure.
1: Yeah. So let's just start maybe each of you can give a little bit of an explanation about your about your winery projects and tell us just a little bit about what you're doing in Côtier de Nîmes and, and um and just a little bit of a, a background. You want to start, Frankla? Go, go ahead, Michel, go ahead. You are you are older <laughs> than me. <laughs> oh,
0: thank you. <laughs> Oh man, indeed. like we're start that's how we're starting. Wow. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Adam, that's why I let you talk first on the podcast.
3: You mentioned um about locating the um the appellation uh, on the map where we're in in uh, in the Rhone Valley. We're at the very south of the Rhone Valley, um where the Rhone actually dumps into the Mediterranean. So it's a less bump that overlooks the Rhone Delta or a region known as Camargue, which is a marshy area. The, the type of terroir is the, that rolled pebbles that uh, Chateauneuf has so well exemplified. And, you know, everyone that loves the Rhone wines is familiar with those big rocks, round rocks. That's mm-hmm. the kind of soil that that we have. Um, in terms of, um, of uh, my family uh, estate and uh, vineyard, we, I'm the fourth generation of my family. Even though I'm old, I'm already the fourth generation, so we've been around for a while. Um and uh we're managing different different vineyards in different locations throughout the Costière de Nîmes area. And uh we actually have uh two main estates and label Chateau de Nage, uh from for one and uh, Domaine Gassier for the other.
2: And Franklin? Yeah um I am I'm, I'm the third generation of uh, this family estate um it's it's Campuchet is an old estate um where we know that there is a vineyard since 1753 we will talk later about history here but uh there is a long history between wine and and, and the estate here um and uh we we produce uh, Cast de Nîmes, um since uh, since the very very beginning and hopefully, uh, there will be a, a fourth generation soon.
1: Oh, exciting! Oh yeah!
2: <laughs> so
3: you're not that young, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Michelle, Come on, please!
0: <laughs> Hilarious. <All right. laughs> so, set the stage for us. You know where? Obviously, we we know we're in the Rhone, but sort of can can you paint a picture for for what it looks like if we were to be standing? in the region and sort of what we'd be experiencing and the style of wines we'd be getting?
2: I, I think, you know, what I'm going to do is like a blind tasting. So I think it's the best way to to let you enjoy the, this area. Um, I love this. Uh, you are truly in what I call a, a magic triangle. Um, you have the town of uh, Nîmes, the town of Avignon, the town of Arles. Uh, three, three gorgeous towns, uh, cities that we, we have around us. And Costianonim is, is really in the middle of the three. Um, uh, so from there, you can, uh, you can enjoy the, of course, the, the Rhone Valley. You can enjoy, uh, the, the beauty of the, the Palace of Pope. You can, of course, discover some fantastic places like Le Pont du Gard. Uh, sorry for my French accent. Uh, you, you, are, you have, of course, the magnificent Coliseum in uh, in Nimes. So, you are when you are in the middle of this um, magic triangle. You are in fact in in, in deep, deeply uh, in our uh, history and in the in the history, uh, especially of the Roman history. Um, so. Yeah, in a few words this is what I what I would like to tell it you have to come here because you, you, you can enjoy this magic triangle. Okay. Oh cool.
3: Yeah. A lot of diversity. Um we're we're about thirty-five minutes from the beach, uh about an hour from the mountains. Um like Franklin said, a lot of um historical monuments from Roman times, um a lot of uh, great restaurants as well. I mean the our area has a lot of Michelin star restaurants, but also a lot of bistros where, for very little money, you can have a great meal. Um, just like uh, our wines that need to be discovered, and they're great uh, for the money. I mean, the quality of life here is excellent.
2: Yeah, I think I think I could I could enhance this this point is that you you have the Mediterranean culture here. And and it it is revealed in in the food and in in the countryside, of course in the wine, um and um but that's truly the key of the of
1: this place. And I want to get into the. I think we want to talk a little bit about about culture and food in a minute. But I want to ask too. You know, one thing that I've that I read about about Côté de Nimes is that despite what you know, sort of on a at a very surface level, you would think, oh, it's the southernmost Appalachian in the Rhone. It must be hot. It, it's the proximity to the to the Mediterranean that actually makes it relatively cool. Is that right? And how does that for both of you kind of affect the wines you make? How does that shape, um, shape the wines? Um,
3: yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, um, um, the, the Mediterranean is a big, large body of water that has a fairly constant temperature. So when the temperature rise in the middle of summer, uh, it provides a cool, uh, refreshing Im- impact on, uh, on, on, on the land that's close by. So we have what we call thermal winds, and uh, which is in the afternoon during the summer, when the sea is cooler than the land, you know, colder air blows from the sea onto the land. And that air, because it comes from sitting above a body of water, it brings moisture. And so the air is not quite as hot, but also quite not as, as dry and it helps the the vines survive those uh, tough conditions. As a result, uh, the fruit stays a little fresher, the acidity, um, the the grapes retain their acidity a little better. Um, So it enables us, if we so desire, to make wines with maybe a little more freshness, a little more tension, maybe a little more dynamic than uh, what you would find further inland in uh in the rhone valley um so that's a that's a great feature that uh, we we can play with uh when we pick our
0: our style so, so what is the style of the wines we can find um in the region so you know, you're sort of talking about it a little bit but if someone were to to find wines you know with the Appalachians name on them what should they expect that is a good question. That is the the, the good question. Uh, so first of all, we, we produce
2: on on the appellation uh, some reds, some uh, white, and and some uh, rosé. Um, white is, is is a tiny part of uh, of the total production. Um, what what people uh, can expect when they when they buy a, a bottle of Costières de Nîmes, um, they can expect something that uh, you know when when michelle just explained you a second ago the 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 word uh freshness is important and and so people can expect some uh wine with fruit with freshness and uh and also with elegancy uh because um since the wine are not too concentrated uh, they keep elegancy and they keep some uh rounded uh, tannins and and this is clearly what People can expect when they buy a bottle of costière a fresh wine with elegancy um, two two important words for me when i when I talk about wines from from our appellation
3: um, yeah if I may add um, part of the uh, re, i mean the benefit of the climate uh, microclimate that we have and uh, the depth of soil that that we have because that accumulation of pebbles and clay is usually anywhere between 30 to 50 feet. So there's no barrier for roots to go deep. Um, we are the only uh, Southern Rhone appellation where Syrah is the dominant re- red varietal in terms of acreage. So uh, most of the reds from Costiere are blends of not Grenache Syrah, but more Syrah Grenache and with a little bit of... Um, Mourvedre or a little bit of Carignan uh, in it. But, you know, versus your Côte Rhone, which is predominantly Grenache with a little bit of Syrah, we're predominantly Syrah with, with Grenache. So um, <clears throat> it gives more black fruit um, uh, character. Uh, but the Syrah, because of, of the uh, microclimate, is not that baked, heavy, uh, very thick kind of Syrah. It's a more lifted, more violet. Um, you know, sometimes it can really borders on Northern Rhone style. The, the point about uh, even though whites are a small percentage of production, it's about 9% of the production of the Appellation, they are very interesting. Um, we, again, because of, of the microclimate, and it's a um, production that is actually growing quite a bit. Uh, we rely on your, the classic Rhone varietals: uh, Grenache Blanc, the Roussanne, Marsanne, Clairette. A little bit of Viognier. Uh, they make for really interesting whites as well.
1: And I'm curious. You know, you mentioned this this idea of the of Syrah dominant wines. Are there producers, either yourselves or others, who are making? Um, you know, sort of varietal Syrah or, or co-fermenting it with a little bit of white wine, like you might see in, in the Northern Rhone more traditionally? Or is it still even producers who lean relatively heavily on Syrah are blending with other red varieties?
3: Uh, it's it's a good question. Uh, as you know, Appellation uh, are uh, very keen on rules and mm-hmm. what's allowed and yeah. what's not allowed we are not allowed to blend white grapes in our reds in gostel oh, okay. We can do it for rosés, but we can't do it for reds. So even though it's a great idea, if you step outside of the Appellation and you try to co-ferment Syrah with Viognier, for instance, the results are great, but it's not part of the AOP.
1: Okay. And talk to us a little bit. As Anna mentioned, it's it's rosé season. So So what is... Uh, what is a, a rose from uh côtier de Nimes typically like and and what are the what varieties would you typically uh see used to produce uh the rose wines
2: rose rose wines from from the appellation will be um, will be what a rose must be it it will be a wine um really fruit driven uh with um, with a lot of uh of freshness um you know it, it, you will never see uh, a heavy and, and 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 difficult rosé from a from this from our appellation we, we truly have some fresh uh rosé and i think every every single producer from the appellation is really focused on that uh we we like we have the climate to do that and and we are lucky to to have this climate to make some very very fresh rosé um if we talk about rosé of course we will talk about colors um you will see different kind of colors but most of uh, the 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 the, the rosé made in the appellation um, are, are usually quite pale not as pale as other appellation like provence sometimes but quite pale um and on the top of that, you have a few few producers uh, trying to to expand and and make some research and trying to improve the quality or, the, or some choices. And uh, you have like we you just mentioned some uh, co fermenting uh, process. Like uh, you have some Syrah and uh, Viognier sometimes, or you have some Syrah Vermontino sometimes. You have some Grenache and uh, uh, red Grenache and uh, white Grenache sometimes. Um, so. It is very creative, they are very creative rose and uh, but still full of freshness i I'm, I'm very sorry to insist on that, but I think this is truly the quality of the rose from the appellation is they are fresh rose they, they won't be heavy on your palate
3: yeah, just one little thing um, as as most uh Most consumers know, or the reference is Provence rosé. And I'm sure the the first question that comes to mind is, how do they compare to Provence rosé? I'd say, you know, they're made with, we make our rosés with pretty much the same varietals uh, as Provence. Our climate is pretty similar. What's different is our terroir. And I would say to, um, just to concur with with Franklin about uh, aromatics and freshness, I'd say in general, they have a little more mouthfeel, perhaps, than the Provence. You know, I don't know whether it's the rocks uh, that we grow our, our vineyards on, but they might be a, a, little more, uh, a little more body, a little more mouth filling uh, than the Provence, um, which tend to, uh, to be uh, on, um, not for all of them, but for the most part, looking for leaner styles.
0: So one thing I you know I want to talk about a little bit is the history of the region. So obviously it's a very 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 old wine producing region, and I was doing some reading on my own, and you know I think there's um, some histories that say that it's it's you know a region that was producing wine that the Greeks were drinking. Um, you know how much, how far back can you trace the history of the region, and how much has sort of the how has the region evolved? sort of since that time to where we are now. So I think, you know, a lot of people don't think about that. We think of sort of wine regions, especially in the new world, as like, you know, they've only been around for 50, 60, 70 years. But this is this region that can go all the way back. So I'm really curious as to sort of the picture you can paint for listeners of, you know, what that history has done and how it's influenced the region and its winemaking.
3: Uh, I, I can start. Maybe uh, uh, Franklin will probably have a lot of interesting things to add. Uh, I First of all, I... Thank you for that question, because as we are one of the newer Appellation, the Rhone Valley, automatically people assume that we're new to the wine trade or to making wine. When in fact, when the Romans conquered um, this part of France, um, you know, 150 years before Christ, uh, the local populations were already making wine because they were taught by the Greeks so wine production around Nîmes started about 600 B.C. Um, it had the region had a lot of um, uh, fame uh, at some point. I mean, there are documents that show that wines from Nîmes were exported to Italy and to Greece. Um, during the Popes of Avignon, you know, in the 1250, 1300s, uh, they were served at the Pope's palaces and, um, and so, uh, I think that where the region kind of fell off the map is after the phylloxera crisis about one hundred years ago, uh, when the vineyards were well, all the French and European vineyards were uprooted and replanted. Um, I don't think the region took the more the qualitative turn, but more the quantitative turn, and I think that's when we kind of lost a step in terms of the quality and the reputation that we had in the past. Um, now, new generations are coming back. Uh, people have, uh, you know, the, the youth has uh, made wine throughout the planet, they, they have ambition and the potential has always been here, uh, but the, the new generations are unleashing it. And that's what's really exciting about what's going on in our Appellation is we're seeing the quality rise Meteorite, uh, you know, so quickly, and
2: uh, it's a very exciting time to be uh, part of that. I oh, know that, that that Michel, it was perfect. <laughs> we 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 came from 600 BC to to today, so that was that was perfect. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the a thing that I love about this part of France. I mean, it's true all over France, of course, but but I think you see it especially in the rhone and in the areas that are closer to the mediterranean which is the sort of unique um, cuisine that is french but also has you know some similarities with uh with mediterranean cuisine in other countries and and so for for the two of you you know when you're thinking about your wines or or maybe in the past when you've been um you know putting them forward in, in wine meals and and in dinner stuff like that what are what are some of the kind of classic dishes from the region that you think your wines uh, pair well with and then maybe also outside of the paradigm of the of the kind of classic Southern French cuisine, other sorts of foods that people could enjoy these wines with.
2: I think we we have we we have luckily in this area we have um, a very diverse agriculture, and so it um, it it gives us a, a chance to to taste, match, discover um, a lot of different things. It can be, of course, from the sea. We we are very close from the Mediterranean, so we can enjoy some some gorgeous uh, fishes uh we have um also some um a, a lot of uh flock of uh, lamb, for example and uh, and sheep um, so we, we have this grill lamb, uh, which is NIM used to be uh, a big place of uh, lamb production uh, in the past uh less today but still we still have few flocks uh, and 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 it gives it gives a, a fantastic uh, meat uh with a Very, very tasty, uh, soft, um, a a beautiful lamb from, from here. And of course we have a lot of vegetables like you have all over the Mediterranean gastronomy. Um, You have, again, the the agriculture here is very diverse and you can have some gorgeous tomatoes, uh, basil, um, garlic, um, a lot, a lot of beautiful Mediterranean classic food can be made here. And, and, And we do it actually um we 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 have this chance to match our wines with this very classic mediterranean food just to perhaps uh
3: change a little bit uh what was said about uh you know it's french cuisine with mediterranean influence no it's mediterranean cuisine we are by the mediterranean our culture is mediterranean and when i see your classic julia child's you know french cuisine I don't see anything that I've ever grew up with because the classic butter cream and everything, you'll never see it here. I mean, we grow olives. Our, uh, fat de choice is, uh, olive oil, uh, and the vegetables we grow are or the Mediterranean vegetables. So, um, I'd say our cuisine would have a lot, um, uh, Uh, to do with spanish or southern italian because northern italian is also cream and butter and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so it's tomato based it's olive oil based it's garlic based uh it's a lot of herbs uh and like franklin said the meat of choice is lamb rather than beef for instance uh lots of seafood and naturally the wines go well with that um
2: and but they're they could be very versatile too you know, I think if, when, when we talk about uh, gastronomy in, in our area, um, you know, when you say uh, costier denim, you have the word costier. That is, even for French, difficult to, to pronounce. Uh, but you have denim. And, and for me, the gastronomy here is like a denim in your, in your dressing. Um, you, you, we all have denim. We all enjoy a denim. We like it because it's simple but we like it because it can be very also elegant. It can be casual. It can be for every day. And the, the Mediterranean food is, is clearly um, a food that you, you enjoy easily every day. And, and it brings you a lot of pleasure. Um, so th- this is for me a, a, a small shortcut, but um, um, this is the way I would describe it. Uh, you, you, can, you can enjoy your denim and you, you can uh, drink your denim <laughs> and you can eat your denim.
1: There you go. I never thought about the uh, all denim diet there, but that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> but you, you 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 never forget that the denim has been created in the town of Nîmes. That's why it's named denim. <laughs> yeah, no, I had I had yeah. forgotten about I had known that and then forgotten about that. I should have uh, should have led with that. One last question uh, for the two of you before we wrap things up here. So I would say that um, you know we talked a little bit about this at the beginning, but one of the compelling things about about the region in addition to the quality of the wine is the relative uh accessibility at a, as far as price point. So, you know, what what are what are what should a consumer expect to pay for for wines um from the uh, Costiere and kind of why is it just a a, a matter of um you know, uh I guess a, a lack of exposure like you know, I've I've certainly tasted plenty of the wines including your your guys's wines and and found them to be, you know, quite comparable to many other Appalachians within the Rhone. So, so what, like I said, you know, where, where is the, where do these wines sit price wise and and maybe why?
3: I'd say if you look at the range of prices, you'll find most of the Cossier de Nîmes will be between a little above 10 to like $25 a bottle. I mean, of course you have the outliers that will be a, a little higher for the, for the limited cuvées or, you know, you might, you might get some cheaper price at like Costco or something like that, but more <laughs> or less, you know, between twelve dollars and twenty five, you'll get the most of the Costier de Nîmes on the U.S. market.
1: Very cool,
0: Michelle Frank, I want to thank you both so much for taking the time to to come on and tell uh, you know Zach and I a little bit more about the region, um, you know, and to explain it to the listeners. It's been a really fascinating conversation and I can't wait to, to drink more of these wines. I just want to thank you for sending me some of your wines. They were very delicious. (laughs) Um, Thank you. And I, and I hope, and I hope that everyone goes out and, and tries to find these wines as well, because they really are really special. And it's super cool to be drinking wines from a region. That's been making wine for centuries. You know, you just can't, you can't find that every day. Um, and it makes these wines really special. So thank you both so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. And Zach, as always, see you next week, man. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vinepair podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vinepair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.